0: Welcome to the Simple Cocktails Podcast, and we're at Tales of the Cocktail. I'm Greg Mays, Managing Editor of SimpleCocktails.net.
1: And I'm Lisa Mays. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Day two, Lisa. Day two was take it a little bit easy and eat some delicious local food.
1: Oh, we started off so well. Yes. So excited. We just happened to get the hotel right next to Mother's. Right. I keep calling it mamas or your mamas.
0: No, they said that's a burger joint. <laughs> okay. <Yeah.
1: laughs> I'm surprised that there is a place called that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. So Mother's is a relatively famous, it's just Creole food. Right. Or, so you get Local like Faux Boy sandwiches, you get red beans and rice, jambalaya, all that. And there's usually a line, a significant line.
1: Right, out the door.
0: There's been times we've seen the line out the door, a good dozen people. What we learned today, we waited in line, but we were only like second in line. What we learned today is once you get inside, there's a line. (laughs) So the line actually fills the restaurant and then they make you line up outside.
1: Yeah. And it's that type of place where you need to have your order ready.
0: Yes. You need to be prepared. Because I walked up and I said, let me have this. And they said, is that it? I said no. In this, is that it? I guess I'm just supposed <laughs> to say it all at once, or
1: yeah, it, that gives me so much anxiety. Like I know I'm going to mess up. I know I look like the neon green <laughs> tourist in here. This is there was good. plenty of tourists. Yeah, Come on. there was. <laughs> yeah, there was.
0: There was plenty of tourists. We were we were all in there together. It was right. about half tourists, half locals. Right. I, I figured
1: so good. We ordered small sizes, and they were not
0: massive. They all were the food huge. huge. Yeah. Uh, but that was a nice sort of like fill your belly and prepare for Tales of the Cocktail.
1: Yes. Then we were off.
0: Yeah. So we went straight uh, to the Montlion, which is the hotel where Tales of the Cocktails, basically being held. Most of the events are there. And we arrived right at sort of tasting time. Right. Uh, so, so all day, like we said, there's seminars and tastings and stuff like that. So we arrived during a time where there's a couple of tastings that I really wanted to go to. I think there was four tastings, and we went to all of them. We did. So it's like a f- two-hour gap, and there's all these uh, rooms. You can go to each room and do a different tasting and all that. But I had a specific one in mind that right. I wanted to go to. Right, This was one... Uh, it's, it was, I think it, they call it like the absinthe green room. Yes. It was uh, all lit up. It right. was
1: beautiful, dark.
0: They had, at, at first we were like, why is there a Tinkerbell? <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, the green fairy. Right, She's supposed
1: to lure you in.
0: It's an absinthe reference. Right. I totally get it. So the reason I really wanted to go to this event is because it wasn't just an absinthe tasting room. It was sponsored by Lucid. Which Lucid was the first legal absinthe in the United States? Right, about seven or eight years ago. Right, I think Lucid's great. They make a, another line called Jade Spirits mm-hmm. that are basically really like high-end absinths, right. but it's the same guy that's made them all, and he was there. He was, and this was a big deal for me because I've been watching this dude. I like to read interviews about him. His name's Ted Bro. Mm -hmm. Bro's spelled in the French vernacular, not B-R-O. Okay. Ted Bro invented Lucid. He's like a scientist. And basically he decided in 2007 or slightly before,
2: we need to have
0: absinthe back in the United States. It needs to be legal. It's not really this evil thing that makes you hallucinate. And so uh, we went to the tasting room and there was Ted. There was like two people next to him. (laughs) There was. And I was like, are you Ted Bro? And he was like, yeah. So, Ted, do you ever make cocktails with
3: absinthe yourself? All the
4: time. Really? Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite?
3: One? <laughs> well, I'll
4: tell you an interesting one. The Brunel. Okay. It's basically, it's so simple.
2: It's like three parts
4: lemon juice, one part absinthe. sweeten to taste bit like a, a margarita yeah, that's yeah. doesn't sound good on paper but it really yeah. is good yeah and that one comes yeah. out of Harry Craddock's The oh, boy cocktail book 19 oh, yeah. first edition 1930 yeah. awesome yeah. yeah that's great I have the book so I'll, I'll look it up look it, it up Brunel it yeah try it out it's a good one so yeah. that's it feel to be the, the guy that brought up something well it's a responsibility you know that yeah. I, I had I, I had a lot of knowledge and I had to get it out there and, and put legitimate products out there yeah. 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 And that was a big problem 10 years ago. You know, it's, it's really worked out well. Sorry. What's your favorite of the products that, you, uh, that you've that you created? I've tasted many of these. What's your favorite? Okay. Um, I think it depends on what I'm doing with it, okay. to be honest with you. Yeah. There's some that I think work better in certain cocktails than others. But that's being real, real nitpicky. I mean, anything in the Jade line. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the whole
1: Renaissance,
4: absent Renaissance, is timely because it's more or less synchronicity with the whole Renaissance of pre-prohibition cocktails. Yeah. How how are you feeling about absence now in the United States? You feel like we're in a good place? We're in a good spot. The good thing for the United States is that what the debacle that happened in Europe fifteen years ago didn't happen, yet, which is good. We didn't give it a chance to happen. You know we we, we initiated a category that was with some good products in it. Yeah. And with a few notable exceptions, most of which you find in the US is of good quality and the ones that aren't you can read the label and see things like FD&C yellow number 5 and, you know. but anyway so we didn't we didn't go through the whole problem that Europe did and you know we had to relaunch the category of Europe which has been another big project but it's working out well so you know it, we're, we're, that, that is the key quality and consumer education are the keys to long term viability of the asset Awesome. And of course, people realize that you, there's so many classic cocktails, you have to have access. It. it was on the shelf of every good bar back in the day,
1: so it's here, to what you say. So then we moved on to the upstairs room. Yep, We looked for that for quite some time.
0: Yes. uh, It's a very uh, advanced situation. (laughs) Apparently, there are three sets of elevators in the hotel. Right. But only one goes to the roof.
1: Right. So finding that, finding...
0: We uh, rode all three. I don't know if you recall that. (laughs) No, I didn't. We rode every elevator in the hotel just to find the That was really fun. No, it wasn't.
1: (laughs) What was on top of the roof once we got there?
0: Uh, It was like the craft spirits tasting room. So there was probably six or seven tables of craft distillery so journeyman distillery was there Mm -hmm. which i was excited about journeyman i've written about before i've had their bilberry gin and all that they're they're from the midwest hi
1: juniper i remember yeah yeah
0: Yeah, they're from the midwest i'm a big fan of journeyman they make a rye they're they're good stuff
1: right my my direction was towards the clockwork orange
0: yeah liqueur yes it was so good that's very kitschy too that's the actual name, Clockwork Orange Liqueur, right? right. So uh, New Holland Artisan Spirits was the name of that brand, who I hadn't heard of really yet. You yeah. know, that's the thing about small craft distilleries. Sometimes you get outside of the region, you don't hear anything about them. Right. So uh, these guys, it's based on New Holland Brewery, and that's a pretty big brewery. So, you know, obviously they have the resources to make distilled spirits. But the Clockwork Orange Liqueur, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's the most interesting thing I've tasted yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: For the last two it days. It wasn't
1: sweet, which is what we like. Right. But you could taste that orange. It was it was natural. It wasn't sugary. It was I really liked it.
0: So I taste it and I'm like, is this gin? Right. And she's like, No, it's a it's an orange liqueur. Do you use gin in the base? No, we don't. I said, Why does it taste like gin?
1: <laughs> anyway, back to gin. Right.
0: And so she's she started listing the ingredients that it has uh coriander. Right. And so I was like, Oh yeah, because that's a big That's an element of gin. That's one of the main botanicals in gin. So I was like, that's why it tastes like gin. But it's an orange liqueur. Obviously, you could use it like as a triple sec or whatever. But it was much more dry. It wasn't very sweet. Like you could easily drink it with – my thought was let's have a cigar and drink this. Right. Because liqueurs – I've seen people drink orange liqueurs in triple secs while smoking cigars. Really? Yeah. Huh. I it's think that sounds good. Thing. That yeah. sounds
1: really refreshing and very light and it would help complement a rough cigar.
0: Yeah. So far that's the most interesting thing I've tasted mainly because you know I've tasted Patron, I've tasted Yeah. You know I've tasted most of the stuff that are in these rooms. I've tasted that Lucid or whatever. Right. So this was just one I'd never had and so I thought that was pretty cool. And in that room I ran into Derek Schomer. Derek Schomer is someone I've had my eye on for a while. He does uh, common man cocktails. Dude does cocktail videos every day I know he he cranks them out he works hard right so it was really cool to run into Derek and so I talked to him for a minute I'm with Derek Shomer common man cocktails uh, what's your favorite cocktail Derek
3: my favorite cocktail right now is probably whiskey sour yeah uh, with egg white okay uh, I kind of I've been doing a little bit more experimentation with shrubs. Yeah. So, doing whiskey sours with like a, a sour shrub okay. like with a vinegar base. Yeah, uh, But that's kind of my go to whenever somebody says, hey, I just turned 21. What should I get? I just do whiskey sour. Because yeah. the whiskey sours, it's not as basic as a Manhattan, right, but it, and it has that dilution so people, new drinkers can adopt to it and, and start to understand the bourbons and the oats. And then from there, I usually just change the, the base spirit. Go nice. from a bourbon to a rye, and, and just mess around with it, so you can make a different whiskey sour every time.
0: I love what you do. I love your website, your videos, and all that. How do you, how do you have the energy <laughs> to do video all
3: the time? Um, I don't think about it. Yeah. Like when you think about it, it's very overwhelming. There's a lot of work, a lot of editing, a lot of you know content to create. Creating the content is the easy part, and doing all the editing and the post production and getting it out and scheduling it is, is a little bit more difficult. But really, it's I just don't. I, I take everything a single day at a time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what do I have to do today? I have a list of things I got to do, most of which won't get done because you just run out of time. Yeah. Um, and then I run my online store at, at the same time as juggling a full time job. And, and So if I think about it, then I wouldn't want to do it. Yes. So it really goes down to just doing it yeah. and, and not worrying about the ramifications. Oh, nice. Nice. And still have time with the kids and everything. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, I appreciate it.
1: Then after getting off of the rooftop room that has one elevator, we found to the correct it, elevator. Right after we got down from that, we went into the Fernet Bronca room.
0: Yeah,
1: huge. Yeah, uh, Bronca Menta was there. Yep,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Punesca. I'm making things out Yes, now. <laughs> I'm, <trying. laughs> I'm like, what?
0: The, what word is that? <laughs> Isn't that the the uh, the pasta that they make? It in
1: is. <laughs> and a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> can we? Can we? Can we invent this? Yes. It's so good. Yes. Would you like a...
0: You're thinking of Punta MS.
1: There you, there you go. go.
0: Putinesca. <laughs> that was really adorable. Yeah. So the the crazy thing is... Okay. So craft cocktail people and bartenders are nuts about Fernet Branca. So here's what happened. That uh, tasting room had a line out of the door before the tasting room opened. Right. Like across the hotel and mm-hmm. we were like, What the heck is this line for? Right. And so we waited a while. That's right. why we went to all the other rooms. Then we went to the Furnit Room. It was really packed. It was it was very packed. But they had all sorts of like people dressed in cool clothes and they had a little stamp guide there was like this
1: little passport book that you were supposed to go around and taste all of the different ones and get i don't know what do you get like free pizza when you're done i don't know they had something
0: when you walked out of the door but they were covering it up with towels did you see that they were giving people that had the passport book filled out they were giving them something but it was covered up oh yeah we walked out and i was staring at the towel i was like huh and then they were looking at my book and i was like i didn't stop anywhere i just kind of walked around
1: the room was way too crowded for me to try to play the game so yep. but it was just nice to be in that room yeah uh fernet bronca it smelled so good in there it did i hate fernet bronca but it smelled really good in there. it did have a nice smell it did
0: minty it was a minty room
1: so later on that evening we headed out to a aperitif dinner that's right with di serrano and uh it was really nice beautifully put together it was delicious drinks my favorite drink was the pomplino spritz i think it was yep garnished with the basil that was really really good yeah um yep just again just little sips don't drink the whole thing you're not Uh, gonna make it (laughs) these were
0: big cocktails they (laughs) were it was a it was a four course aperitivo
1: i love that
0: yeah i really little bites you know each each course had two small things uh and then each course also had a cocktail which were not small were These not. were large cocktails. They were. Yeah, absolutely. So that was something, again, you just got to pace yourself and be a little bit sad that that when cocktail has away. to go away. I,
1: yeah, It's totally is.
0: true. Yeah, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. And we got to hang out uh, with our new buddy.
1: Right. Uh, Andrew so, was there again. Yeah. We had dinner with him the night before at the That's Martin right. Miller get together. And so he showed up there. And uh, yeah, we were able to talk again. And this time we were able to interview him.
0: So he's uh, His name's Andrew Marin. He writes for... Uh, local paper here in new orleans and so he's he's been kind of in some of the press things that we've been in so we've just kind of become friends right we had a good buddy to talk to at the de event so we just recorded part of our conversation so what's
4: your
2: favorite cocktail would you say andrew i honestly don't have an answer for that but it would have to be something whiskey based like a sazerac and old-fashioned a manhattan something of that nature i love i mean as far i love whiskey I love all liquors, but whiskey and I have a special relationship. So
1: break down a uh, recipe for us, if you would,
2: one of your favorite whiskey recipes. Oh, um, I am gonna this is probably look like a fool. It would have to be a classic New Orleans sazerac. Okay. So you either spray or rinse the glass with herb with a herb saint or absinthe, and then you use orange peel and bitters and whiskey of your choice. Garnish with a oh sorry, garnish with an orange peel. Just Google the recipe. There's only there's only one. Yeah. Everyone makes it the same way. But, but for
1: yourself, sometimes you can tweak it a little bit for yourself. Yeah, I mean...
2: Yeah, no, I, it, it's, the only thing that really changes are what brands you use, but the recipe itself is always going to be the same. So, in fact, Tales of the Cocktail gives out awards every year called Seal of the Sazeracs, and they give them the bars that they approve of the Sazerac technique. So they I think they had five this year, and there's maybe like... 30 here in New Orleans. Maybe like 50 or 60 in the country. So, wow. I didn't know that.
1: Didn't know that either. That's
2: yeah. cool. Do you make drinks at home for people? Not often. Yeah. I, I used to do it a lot more, but then I stopped... Uh, I, I stopped stocking my bars heavily, so that we, we would drink less and always end up going out more. But usually, if I make drinks at home, it'll depend on what I have at hand, or I'll buy supplements to what I have in an attempt to finish it, which is a trick I picked up from Back in my industry days, when it's like, oh, every restaurant special means here's what the kitchen has. And we need to cook it, and that's how I make my drinks at home. It's like, oh, I have all this coffee liquor from Tails. What am I gonna do with it? Right.
1: Yeah, so. Was there ever any um, drink that you invented on your own to serve to your friends at home, like a punch? You know. Uh-oh.
2: Yes, but I'm not gonna give you the recipe for that one because it's it's a it's a tr- it's not a trade secret, but I, I would say it's a family secret. Once upon a time, I lived abroad, and I had twelve roommates in a giant apartment. It was six bedrooms, and we developed our own special sangria recipe, which involved everyone buying bottles of wine and you know the brandy or the sherry and fruits, and we would concoct it accordingly. And that was a couple of years ago. So since we're moving back to the states or to our respective countries. Each of us has tweaked the original recipe and made it palatable <laughs> to the point where even when our bartender friends come over, like the ones who work here for certain companies, they're like, this is good. And we're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> What do you call it? We just, we call, well, we, we lived in a, we lived on Borgo, which is Italian for Avenue, Borgo Agnassanti, so I'm at the, the street of all saints so we just call it Borgo Sangria, like Avenue oh, Sangria.
1: That's
2: awesome. so that's awesome. Everyone makes it a little differently, but you can tell it's the same, you know, it's like, it's right. like making like uh, carbonara or marinara sauce, it's like, it may be slightly different, but you'll know that it's the same base. Yeah. Recipe. I love that. Yeah. It's
1: like, a story, that's your like
2: own. You can, you can tell who makes it based on what fruit, what fruits are involved. <laughs> this so. is Randy.
1: Yeah. You know. <laughs> Andrew
2: never puts uh, Andrew never puts fresh strawberries in them because it looks and they look cool, but they taste disgusting. <laughs> like they don't hold up as well as like you know apples or oranges or pineapple or right. things. But you can right. tell based on what's in it who made it. I That's guess. Awesome. Yeah.
1: The drinks kept coming in, and so uh, he had more to say. And I felt this this part was pretty interesting, That's so right. I wanted to record it. I wanted you guys to hear some tidbits about true new orleans i guess
0: i know it's pretty interesting
2: people in new orleans will tell you that the sazerac is the official drink of the city but there's a very strong motion amongst many of us that would counter that daiquiris are the true drink of new orleans because sazeracs are drunk by those who can afford sazeracs they can afford the ingredients i promise you that if you live in new orleans and you're a local you will know exactly what your favorite daiquiri is (laughs) and where to get it everybody (laughs) here drinks daiquiris
0: so we finished up the dinner. Actually, the truth is we skipped out a dessert because I had a very specific plan for dessert,
2: <laughs> you did. if you recall.
0: So uh, yeah, if you watch Instagram at all, you've seen where we were. Uh, this was a pretty exciting time. Café du Monde.
1: Oh my gosh. Yep. I think that was the number one thing that came out of my mouth when Greg said that we were going to Tales of the Cocktail.
0: Yes. Beignets. Yes. Yes.
1: Sugary donuts. Yes. Give <laughs> me those.
0: That's right. So we went to Café du Monde. It's it's pretty hot it's like 10 o'clock it's at night pretty hot, and it, yeah. was, it was pretty hot right so yeah we got iced we iced our cafe au
1: right right i love i just love how the city is like set up for the things that they know are just huge tourists like it's in and out yeah. i loved it you sit down they ask you what you want they bring it yeah. you're done like yeah. you pay her you're done it yeah. was beautiful
0: so here's how it went uh, what would you like uh we'd like six beignets Oh, Will they come in orders of three? Yes, we'd like you yeah, heard orders. me, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks
1: for making me feel bad. Yes,
0: clear as a bell. We're going to eat them all. So, uh, we did our best. The
1: trick is is that if they're really hot, yeah. they kind of disintegrate in your mouth faster. Yeah, so it doesn't feel like they're three, it feels like there's maybe one and a half. I felt that's like that's my you, logic. That's
0: that, that sounds about right. <laughs> if you stack them on top of each other, actually, that's impossible, right? I found out from my very first bite when I got massive sugar crotch. <laughs> I had dark, dark, dark jeans on,
1: sugar crush. and
0: just like, just like a snowman died yeah. on my lap.
1: You look under every single table, and it's Powder. just like Columbia Cartel. <laughs> <laughs> like.
0: That's what I told Lisa, I was like, there is so much powdered sugar on just my plate. Yeah, I, w- I wonder. I could probably Google it, but I won't. I wonder how much powdered sugar they use in a day. Right. Just so, one day. So
1: you think we came home after that long walk and showered because it was so hot? No, I could feel like sugar on the <laughs> tips of my fingers. That's right. In my toes, even though my feet were fully covered. Yes. I could feel sugar in it was the depths of my, of my body. I so, just poured
0: yeah. water on my lap just to get all the <laughs> the powder. It looked pretty bad. So
1: yeah, Cafe du Monde. Oh, Everything that it was built up to be, it was perfect.
0: Yeah, it was. That's it for us this time around. Uh, We got a very busy day coming up, so um, hopefully we'll have a lot of good reports. We hope you're enjoying our uh, Tales of the Cocktail podcast. We'll see you for episode three. I'm Greg Mays, editor of SimpleCocktails.net.
1: And I'm Lisa Mays. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tons of photos.
0: Lots of New Orleans picks.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Cheers.